My brothers and sisters, I'm so excited. We took this opportunity on this Sunday after Christmas to invite a friend of Ebenezer's to preach. Her name is Chelsea Morse. Now, some of you will be familiar with Chelsea. Chelsea is sung in our praise band, and, and she works with Micah Ministries down in Fredericksburg that Ebenezer has such a beautiful relationship with. I'm so grateful for Chelsea and the ministry that she's conducting there, but also she, she works with Fredericksburg United Methodist Church on their staff and is this year completing her third and final year of seminary. My brothers and sisters, we give thanks to God for Chelsea. Here she is. Grace and peace to you. Our scripture reading today will come from Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. And this is Zechariah's prophecy. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear." in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, when the day shall dawn upon us from on high, to give light to those who sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, hello, Ebenezer Church. It is good to see you. My name is Reverend Chelsea Morse, and it has been a while since I have been able to worship alongside of you, and I have dearly missed you. We are recording today in my anchor church, where I am appointed by the Virginia Conference of the United Methodist Church, here at Fredericksburg United Methodist Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And I serve here as an anchor post in serving an extension to Micah Ecumenical Ministries. Now, it is so good to be able to give Rob and Pastor Monica a, a break this, this blessed holiday season. And you may be asking yourself as we just did our scripture, Hey, I know that text. Isn't that an earlier Advent text? Didn't Jesus just get born? Why are we spending time focusing on John the Baptist's dad, Zachariah, and what he said? Well, I will remind you that our Christmas season is 12 days long past the Christmas holiday. Take that, eight crazy nights of Hanukkah. But seriously, we are in the Christmas season, and I really felt like Zachariah's prophecy has a word for us today as we are starting to approach the year 2021 and finally leaving 2020 behind. So let us go to the Lord as we listen to what God has for us today. Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you. 
May you be the words that come out for those that need to hear it. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So one of the things my family and I love to do on Friday nights is movie night. It's a family tradition, probably one that some of you also have. And over the holiday season, we have been trying to get our fix on holiday movies. And what I realize is that mainstream consumers love a good underdog story. Our culture is really littered with them. Let's think about it. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the story of a wobbly reindeer who thought he was born different and couldn't understand why he couldn't be like others until he realized that his uniqueness could be used for something special. A mission intended only for him to lead Santa's sleigh and light the way on Christmas Eve. But you know who is the greatest producer of underdog storylines in our time? God. Throughout our biblical scriptures, we witness God recruiting ordinary people tasked to do extraordinary things. And sometimes these people look like the runts of the litter, like David, or people like Moses who struggled with a speech impediment and is charged with leading a people out of slavery. Many fall short, yet God calls them anyway. Now, this past Advent season, my friends and I at Micah Street Church have been reflecting on our own sermon series of Do Not Be Afraid. And there we have picked apart each of the characters in the Advent story reaction when they encountered the angel Gabriel. And in each interaction, the angel is bringing news that either sounds ludicrous or impossible. Yet, ordinary people were chosen to carry the impossible task in order to bring glory to God. Now, whether it was birthing a son in ripe old age, which was the case for Zachariah's wife, Elizabeth, who would later bear John the Baptist, or even bringing the Christ child into this world as a virgin. Every time the angel appeared, there was a phrase uttered by each of them. Do not be afraid. Now this resonated with me because I think we have spent a lot of time this year afraid, haven't we? Fear has permeated our cultural moments so much that it is no surprise that there have been a cyclical theme that I keep hearing from our pulpits. Almost every sermon that has been preached this year could probably be summarized with this takeaway. This sucks, we know, but God is present through it all. God is making a way where there doesn't seem like one. Do not be afraid. Yet I wonder, do we even believe that messaging? Would we have believed it more if an angel would have approached us in February of this year and said, this year will be full of pain and waiting and a lot of stretchy pants? But do not be afraid, because God will come at the end of this, and maybe an extra 10 pounds. Would we have believed God then if an angel sent the message for God? Or would we have the reaction like Zechariah, who said, "Uh, how could this be? This is an honest question, right? When we read over the story of Zechariah, when we read it a couple weeks ago at Micah Street Church, someone spoke up and said, 
Yeah, but did that really happen? I mean, how much are we supposed to take of actual fact? Did the angel really come in person? That was a fun moment for a novice pastor. Uh, But I am often blindsided when I am reminded that for our community, the story of Christ is not second nature. In fact, some are hearing the name of Jesus for the first time. And it is a privilege and a humbling reminder that our mission field is right out our back door. Being in the mainline churches, we often wrestle with how we do evangelism in an effective way. There are books and books and books that talk about reaching new people and how to expand the reach of the church. However, this year has reminded me that we must truly start with three basic questions. Who is God? Why does Jesus matter? And how is God speaking to us in this moment? This is why we take time to break down our traditions and movements in worship at Street Church, as well as discuss the scriptures in an honest way in our worship format. It truly gives people an opportunity who may be being introduced to the idea of God and and Jesus for the first time to ask questions and challenge how they can even apply it to their own life. And what we were able to take away that day when we were working on the story uh, of Zechariah was that the truth of the story is not reliant on if Zechariah, Mary, or even the shepherds actually saw an apparition or not. Instead, we are reminded that when God challenges us to complete a daunting mission, the overture in the preamble is do not be afraid. And we find that we are also the underdog in God's story, waiting for our mission and purpose without fear. So here we are, December 2020, preparing for a new year ahead of us. What is God calling us to rise above in this blessed opportunity of life that God has given us? A life that does not succumb to fear, but rises above it. I guarantee if I would have been visited by an angel the eve before I accepted this role at Micah and told that I would enter into my first year of vocational ministry under a pandemic when everything I knew about worship, ministry, and volunteer coordination would be thrown out the window, uh, I probably would have been muted too, like Zachariah, for he was muted because he didn't trust in the miracle that would happen when he was told that his wife would be pregnant. So what's the takeaway here? Even in the craziness of God's plan, we are called to lean in and trust that God is going to show up in the chaos. God is going to send a John to make a way for a Jesus through a Mary and Joseph who all said yes to God's crazy. And for that, we not only give thanks, but we sing glory and excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest Because the coming of Messiah is not just something we are waiting for, but he is here. In the weariness of our year, we rejoice because Emmanuel, God with us, has finally shown up to redeem us from our enemies and our afflictions. Now, before 2020, I never fully realized what it would be like to be the Israelites who sat for hundreds of years in waiting I actually preached this text a couple of years ago in 2018, and I brushed on the surface of what it may feel like to be waiting. 
But this year, I think I pretty much get it. Now, biblical scholar Luther Smith Jr. puts it in the waiting of the people of Israel. He talks about it this way. The Gospel of Luke doesn't convey the Advent story as the world falling apart, but instead it communicates that when the sun and the moon and the stars spin out of control and the oceans rise, the rivers overflow the land, our redemption is near. And when we focus on the ways that the world is overcome with grief and we hear the fear rhetoric blasting on every medium, It is so easy to join the world's chorus and put our heads in the sand. But Luther goes on to say, despair would certainly overwhelm us if we focused only on the sins and failures that corrupt our world. Hopelessness would overcome us if we only saw our only limited skills and resources as a source of change. But hear the good news, beloved. We are not called to take on the whole world by ourselves. Not only do we have God, but we have each other. We need to share in our grief and our fear so that we can collectively respond together. Fear is not of God, and if we let it, it can overwhelm us to the point of being afraid to do anything And our faith helps us rise above fear because we believe in a Savior that has come in the form of human flesh, that has experienced what we have as humans. And he came in the form of a small baby, and he strives to take on the world for the sake of it, despite the evil that exists within it. And the Savior that has come to be the new dawn that we have been waiting for, to help shine a light on others who are stuck in the shadow of death and cannot see the silver lining. Our mission is to use the Savior's story as a beacon of light for those who cannot see a way out, to hopefully remind ourselves that death is not the end of the story. Now, even in working with our population of folks who have experienced homelessness, who have gone through unimaginable hardship and oftentimes trauma, there is something so beautiful hearing the words of God and praise coming out of our community's lips. A lot of people think that those who have lived on the streets see the world in such a desolate way. That generalization just is not true. They see more silver linings than I sometimes have the ability to see in the world around me. I'm not saving them, but they have saved me from my own doubts. Is there a lot of sadness and grief? Of course. Is there residual substance abuse issues that sometimes stem from their trauma? Yeah. But their issues at large are no different than those who sit in our pews. Grief pain, struggles with unworthiness and unfortunate circumstances, they know Jesus and the goodness of God in an intimate way. A faith that I honestly strive for. And for that, they remind me that when we serve a God who will care for you, even when you have nowhere left to fall, it brings a whole new meaning to what Emmanuel means. 
when you can sense God even when you're saying your prayers with your back against the concrete. Somehow, as painful as that is to imagine, it gives me hope. Now I want you to remember these lines from our text today, brothers and sisters. Write it down, do what you have to do, but let's read it as a prayer and a call on our heart. We are called to serve without fear, to give light to those who sit in the darkness. God, guide our feet into the way of peace. I want you to remember this prayer in this season of Christmas and the days ahead as we put away the boxes and put away the lights in our tree. I want you to remember this because when the world wants you to stay inside, the church is called out to serve without fear and to be the light. Now, before you guys go and report me to the district superintendent, let me caveat that we go out safely with our mask on, right? This doesn't mean we have to physically go out. There are many ways that we can serve in a safe manner from your home if you need to. But my point is that just because our programming has shifted and halted in some ways, the church is not closed. We are still being called to go out in the world, and we have a chance to shine a light in the darkest corners of our city. By refusing to let afflictions that have had the last word in our lives, we are naming the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who guides our feet in the way of peace. And into a new year full of promise that's ahead of us for 2021. That peace that starts with joy in the form of a new birth, which is symbolic of a new beginning that Israel has to lean in and let God lead us. You know, in March, when the world was shutting down, we at Micah had one mission in mind. To make sure that everyone has a place to shelter. And Ebenezer helped us start that mission by donating $10,000 in the first few weeks to ensure that our people had a place to rest while we awaited federal grant money. And when the governor ordered a stay-at-home order, our churches were concerned that our folks who were fed seven days a week, who depended on our community meals that were served in our community, would go hungry. So the meals went out to the hotels. We completely reimagined how we did ministry without thinking twice because we were the light bearers living into this call to be the hands and feet of Jesus without fear and doing it together with all of you. When our city school mobile meal program stopped serving in their own, because they were depleted and weary at the end of the summer, the church stepped up and provided people from all the churches in the areas, including Ebenezer, to help in a rotation and ensure that children had food over the summer in our most impoverished city neighborhoods. And as of today's count, we have permanently housed 60, 60 people out of the 95 MICA clients who were living outside before the pandemic. We had federal grants in place to put a first month's rent and even an extra month's deposit for landlords to accept folks into their homes. And the remaining 35 people have not been placed yet because we have a housing and affordability issue. 
So as we continue to dream about what is next, we are hoping to create a Micah Shalom village, which will one day house all of our people in a new, inclusive, tiny home community when we find the land and the space to build God's kingdom here on earth. Street Church is another entity that has been birthed in the darkness. It started in the parking lot of a local budget hotel and later a park this summer because the light of Jesus still needed to shine in the shadows. People who did not have family members at home or access to technology needed a place to hear the word and to gather in small groups. We have doubled in size since all of this has began. This beautiful wing of God's church formed in the chaos. And even last week when I thought to myself that we needed to close because of the COVID numbers, I remembered those that had come the week prior who told us they needed food and they had come over from what would some call the seedy hotel downtown. We're a block right behind that. Instead of being afraid of the activity that could be happening there and moving our location, We said yes, and we need to find a way to meet safely outside, yes, in the cold, and we did that. And when God showed up, God brought eight additional people to our doors, and they found us. They were fed, and they were invited to participate in our community. These are people who probably would have never gotten dressed to get out and downtown on time to one of our local downtown churches, But in our community, they could show up in flippers and pace and even call out in the middle of the service and we can adapt and show up in our own ways. And we are truly asking people and welcoming them when they come as they are. And even if they are presently wrestling with their own afflictions, we are an infirmary of God. We are showing up in a new way and we couldn't do any of it without our church partners who have said yes. So yes, (laughs) we are tired as a church after this year of waiting. And that weariness can sometimes be so overwhelming that we can fall into cycles of apathy and grief and even anger. But in this moment, after the weary world comes to the end of a hellacious year, Friends, we have an opportunity to rejoice. Yes, the weary world rejoices because the Messiah has come to help us bear this burden and release us from the fears that have held us back this year as we look into a new year full of hope and promise. And so in this season of post-holiday weariness, after the packages are put away and the lights on your tree are hopefully still shining bright because the Lord knows that trees stay up until after Epiphany. But I challenge you to break free also of the weariness of 2020 and to take time to truly rejoice in this moment. Rejoice that hopefully you and your loved ones have made it through this year. Rejoice at the memories that have been made and the opportunities that God has used to call us together, to serve together. And rejoice in the ways that God has reshaped the church for good and has called us into our city and neighborhoods and porches in new ways. We even rejoice that 
for a small amount of time, we have been released from the sin of I-95 traffic and not had to travel back and forth on it as much as we did before. And I pray that in this year to come, you remember that even in the unknown, God has not only been with us, but releases us from the bondage of our fears. Let us then rejoice in knowing that we are loved and accepted and cherished by a God who sees us as beautiful and beloved, each and every one of us. And we do not have to do anything to earn that love. Let us fall on our knees and not be afraid of the angels' voices that call to us. We no longer have to be bound up in the shackles of perfectionism, the fear of failure, even the need to control. No, we are being called to actually submit those fears and sins before the Lord so that we can be given a peace that can only be described as freedom. Freedom to finally live into the person we were called to be without any second thoughts or doubts. Through the name of Jesus, we are not underdogs, for we serve a faithful God who empowers us, who fulfills the promises made in the time that it is necessary for the good of the world. That is where our hope lies, and that even in our weariness from the year that we've had, God shows up. And for that, we rejoice. We rejoice his holy name, Emmanuel, God with us. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Gloria in the highest. Thanks be to God. Amen.